listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. Hey, this episode, we're finally delving into the world of dark academia. Wow, y'all really wanted us to talk about this. Y'all love it. They sure did. Uh, This is something that uh, people have been just clamoring for. We're also reviewing another reading pillow and solving a problem of dumping too many books. You just have a pile of dumped books in your wake. <laughs> wake <laughs> like of dumped ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm listening to a book called Saving Time, Discovering a Life Beyond the Clock by Ginny O'Dell, who y'all know I like. It's read by Kristen. Oh, I've been looking at this book. Yeah, it's read by Kristen C., I read her last book called How to Do Nothing. And these, they're, the names of them are always something that makes you think it's going to be a self-help book. But really, it's a book how, like, uh, uh, the clock is capitalist. It's, it's, um, it's like, it's, so, it's not, a, it's, it's more of a philosophy book, an anti-capitalist, anti-colonial, anti-racist book about the concept of time. That's what this book is all about. And, um, and about the attention economy and about, um, you know, if time, if we think of time as a commodity, whose time is worth more? And why is that? And why is it that certain people don't have to do certain things? And then also she relates it to the climate crisis. It's just a really interesting book. And I wanted to talk about it on the show because we've been doing these live book recommendations in um, for the, the fun drive. And a lot of people have asked for nature memoirs or nature nonfiction or things related to sort of like climate or... or um, or even like, uh, like you know, kind of feminist texts. And um, I just felt like this really fits in there. I'm not finished with it yet, which is why I haven't recommended it to anybody. But I think um, uh, Jenny O'Dell's work is just really fascinating look into these concepts that we have. Um, and and I, it's all about the attention economy. And this is just something I'm kind of interested in right now. And I'm about, you know, a little fact from the book is that time exists basically in order for capitalism to work. It didn't really exist before that. And we always credit it to the train system of like standardizing time, but time itself, the reason we have it is so people could like calculate the hours for their workers. Um, wow. And, and also there's a lot of bird facts in here. Ginny O'Dell loves birds and nature and there you like <laughs> talks about trees and talks about rocks and the earth. But there was a bird fact I read yesterday that was that there's a certain kind of bird who changes their patterns of migration up to like th- months in advance based on hurricane, what's going to happen with a hurricane, but we don't know how. And I mean, like, what does that mean? You know what? I've read about that because scientists are trying to figure out how they how they know. Yeah. Also, uh, participants on eBird, which is the birding website, went up 37% during the pandemic. Oh, what? It's a birding website for you to track your birds. My mom and stepdad are all over it because they love birding. Very cool. Oh my so, god! Um, anyway, what are you reading? Magic about? of the internet. Uh, I I want to talk about a book I just blurbed uh, that is coming out this summer, and I think it's going to be one of the big buzzy horror books of the summer by a author that a lot of glassers like. It's Mister Magic by Kirsten White, and uh, I'm describing this oh, book who wrote as Hyde. Who wrote Hyde? Yes. Oh, I loved Hyde. You're gonna like this because I. So it is a uh, the, the way I've been describing it is it meets the Stepford Wives. Oh my God. What is this called? I'm adding it right now. Mr. Magic. So it is about this. There was this TV show um, 30 years before the events of the the novel. And it was like a kid's show. And it had these five kids that were on it. But there was some sort of tragic accident which shut down production. And you don't know what happened. But this five surviving cast members are like doing their best to move on. Um, 
but they have not moved on. They're, their lives are not doing great. Um, and they get contacted by this sort of mysterious entity about a reunion show for the pot for this podcast about the, the show. And people are really excited about it because there's no surviving video of the show. There's no surviving evidence of who directed it or produced it. No records of the show at all. So it's like this very mysterious show. It's kind of like this cult classic thing on like people talk about it in like Reddit forums and stuff. And all these castmates get contacted and they decide to get back together and do do this podcast, but mostly like go back to the site of where the show was shot and find out what really happened and why can't they move on? And like, there's a lot of questions and mysteries and it is very compelling. Like from go, you get super sucked in. Kirsten White's such a great author. And uh, I think classers will really like this. So that's Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. And mine is Saving Time, Discovering a Life Beyond the Clock by Jenny O'Dell. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Beth wrote in to say, Hi, friends. When I was a senior in high school in 2006, I only had to carry a few books. I was much too cool for a backpack and one day decided I would carry them with a belt. <laughs> so this is feedback about the book belt that we, uh, we reviewed uh, yes. a few episodes the ago. Strap. The strap. The strap. The strap. Um, Beth says, it was kind of cute, but I immediately discovered how inconvenient it was. The next day, I saw a few of the popular boys carrying their books in a belt. Being a teenager at the time, I assumed they were making fun of me, but I bet now they also thought it looked cool. It didn't exactly catch on as a trend, though, because it was fucking inconvenient. Thanks for dredging up that memory. These days, I wear a backpack every day because good spine health is way more important than what the cool kids think of me. It is. It's Beth very important. It's very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I can't believe you tried to do that. That's very adorable that you were like, I'm going to I'm gonna wrap my books in a belt, which you honestly could just do, and it kind of does the same thing as that strap. We never brought that up, that it's just a fancy belt. It's just, it is just a fancy belt. That's the, all, the, all the illusion, the grand facade stripped away from the book strap. It's just a fancy belt. Um, Gray wrote in and said, Hi, Bria and Mallory. I have aphantasia. It's a brain difference that especially impacts reading, so I'm glad to hear someone reach out about it on the podcast. They're definitely not alone. Instead of being caught up in the book, I become acutely aware that I'm reading a page or screen or stumble through a lot, lots of the descriptions. And I spent years thinking that I was a slow reader when really I've been nav- navigating aphantasia uh, th- all this time. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I have found uh, that the less tactile slash same screen experience of using my Kobo has helped with some of this instead of turning the pages, but I'm still very much a hybrid reader. Since I've loved the reading from an early age, there was uh, both enlightenment and depression when I learned about my infantasia a couple years ago. It's really changed my understanding about how I read. It also helps me dump books sooner, but they're not working for me. I think an important step to note is that coming to terms with infantasia uh, will include gentle care around one's reading relationship. It's impossible not to when we're talking about having a mind's eye to assist in processing the information and society expecting that everyone has one. Below is a link to five tips for reading with aphantasia. And uh, I came to these reading hacks myself by trial and error, but it was reassuring to have them laid out in one article. And I thought it'd be helpful to share for other glassers with aphantasia. That's amazing. Um, and people yeah, don't we'll put know, that in the show notes. That means you don't picture things in your head, correct, Mallory? That's mm-hmm. what someone wrote in about. So yeah. we'll put the link in the show notes. After the episode with Danielle, I reached out and she helped me order some books that were hard to find from her bookshop. That's very lovely. Excitingly waiting your or their arrival. Oh, great. That's amazing. And it's so great. Yeah, we will link to these, uh, to these tips. Um, but that's great to hear from other people who are dealing with the same yeah, thing. Yeah, remember, if you if you need to order a book online and you don't have a local bookshop, the Savoy Bookshop in Rhode Island, uh, where Glasser Danielle works, she'll help you out. That's amazing. Uh, 
Megan wrote in with a wheelhouse that is quaint towns of talking animals, a magic coffee shop slash library slash bookstore, retellings of myths still set in their time period, and memoirs by non-famous people. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can send us your wheelhouse, or if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And quick bookmark from us, we just want to thank everyone who joined during the Maximum Fun Drive. Hundreds of new glassers! The drive is officially over. We did tons of events. We got hundreds of new glassers. We got a bunch of new... Uh, we, we hit a bunch of our goals. We just want to thank you so much. It really means a lot to us. And uh, now back to your regular regularly scheduled reading glasses. So before we talk about dark academia, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, glassers. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm drinking coffee because I love coffee. I'm drinking my daily full pot of decaf black coffee. And if you love drinking coffee every morning, just like me, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade empowers coffee lovers to discover better coffee, and the best part is, it's delivered fresh to your door. So what is Trade? Trade is a coffee subscription service that makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you the best quality coffee you can get, all hand-picked by their coffee experts, and they'll send it fresh to your home on your preferred schedule. Folks, you know I love decaf coffee. I drink so much of it. It is ridiculous. But the problem is... It's hard to find a really nice decaf. A lot of stores don't carry it. They especially don't carry it in whole bean. And I love trying out new coffee companies. I love trying out new decaf flavors. And it's so great. What I do is I have my own trade subscription and they deliver two bags to my door every two weeks. And I always get to try a new roaster, roastery. I don't know what coffee roasters are called. Roastery sounds fun, but I don't think that's it. (laughs) But uh, I get to try a new one and it's great and I get to pick my flavor profiles and then I get to review them afterwards and all the coffees that you review make it so that the coffee experts at Trade can match you up better with new coffees to try in the future. It's fantastic. Even if you are not like me and live on a frozen mountaintop where it's hard to get things at a store, you should try it out. You can upgrade your morning routine with better coffee right now. Trade is offering the glassers a free bag of coffee with any subscription at drinktrade.com slash glasses. That's drinktrade.com slash glasses for a free bag of coffee with any subscription purchase. That's drinktrade.com slash glasses. Glasses. With Max Fun Drive in the books, we'd like to welcome our new members and say thanks to everyone who's supported us over the years. Welcome. Thanks. And now on to the sticker sale. A lot of this year's drive gifts and live streams focused on food. We love how food can bring communities together, but not everyone has access to the food they need. So we'll split the proceeds from our sticker sale among five U.S. food banks in areas disproportionately affected by poverty. The sale ends Friday, April 14th. Members at the $10 monthly level and above can purchase any stickers they'd like. There's also a special Max Fun sticker featuring Nutsy the Squirrel that all members can purchase. For more info, head to MaximumFun.org slash sticker sale. And thanks again for your support. This week... 
we're finally talking about dark academia books. What exactly does dark academia mean? Why do people go so wild for it? And how do you find books in this subgenre? So first off, let's define what dark academia means. Dark academia can be a few things. It can be a clothing trend with a lot of plaid, it can be an internet niche, it can be a subgenre of books. Where books are concerned, it means a book for adult or YA audience that takes place in an academic setting, such as the ever popular boarding school or college and features some sort of darkness. And that can be thriller elements, horror elements, gothic elements. Yeah. Any, 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 anything that's dark and maybe even a little spooky. In my head, I picture a lot of velvet. Yes. I picture a lot of, of uh, crushed velvet, some leathers. It's a lot of leather <laughs> interiors and wood, a lot of wood, dark yes. wood paneling, some uh, wainscoting and maybe a few... What are those, the lights that come out from walls like this? Sconces? Sconces, thank you. Lots of sconces. Heavy on the sconces. It's a very aesthetic forward genre. Yes, which makes it vague. It's vague. (laughs) And that's why they can be, that uh, Dark Academia books can be found in several different subgenres. They can be thrillers, they can be uh, uh, mysteries, they can be YA, they can be adult horror books. They can be literary fiction or historical fiction or fantasy. They're in all sorts of genres. And a genre unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a pretty recently popular genre, although the book that is generally accepted as the kickoff for Dark Academia is uh, Donna Tartt's The Secret History, yeah. which came out in ni- 1992. Have you Fucking read it? I love that oh, book. Oh, you read I've never read Ugh. it. I've never read it. It just, like, so when, we were, when I was researching this episode, I kept coming upon that one. So that's what really kicked things off. But Dark Academia has gotten the the big popularity boost it has come in the past decade and really in the past, like, five years or so. Yeah. And so, Mallory, how will people, if they're like, I got to try this out, besides just picking up the secret history, how else are they going to find dark academia books? Honestly, at this point, it's such an established subgenre that is so popular that you can search for the term dark academia and get a ton of book lists. There are so many darkly academic book lists out there. Um, But if you are exhausting those lists, you can search for books that take place in schools and are of the horror or thriller variety, and that should get you there. Um, Mallory, hold on. We say this word differently. You say, what, what do you, it, I say, ac, I say, well, now I forgot what I say. Academia. I say dark academia. Yeah, I say academia. That's interesting. Oh, that's that, funny. That must be I wonder a if regional that's a, thing. It could be a regional thing, but also you're the only one of us who has a college degree, so. No, because <laughs> I've heard people, I think I've heard more people say it like you than me. I'm sure it's one of those that can be both, both things. Academia, academia. Um, I'm sure it can be both. Anyway. But, Bria, why do we think people love dark academia or demia so much? I mean, so it's a new genre for me. Um, I have not read much in this. I've read a few things, which we'll talk about. But um, I think this is a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a sister love to boarding school um, where we get so many people who want to talk about boarding schools. This is a big request for us. Big, we did a whole, big glasser we did a, we did a, item. We did a boarding school episode, yes? We did, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think... In part, it's because limited location, but same people you see again and again. I think that's like an interesting mm-hmm. thing because you know you can, like if there's a mystery, if there's something happening, it's only these people. You're not going to go outside of town. Someone new didn't come to town. It's all about this yeah. group of people. And I think there's like a, a like kind of a nostalgic element to that where it's like we're all, we all went to school probably, most of you. Most people, <laughs> most of you went to some sort of schooling. So you can kind of reflect on that and put yourself in that world a lot more. 
Um, it's like your high school, but with more intrigue and better clothes and really wooden doors, giant wooden doors <laughs> with big knockers on them. Like big, like, like, you know, like, like knockers that look Sounds like. Sounds like you're hitting on the door. Yeah, big knockers, the store. Uh, you know, like a, a, li- a lion face and you like have to knock. Um, and I think it's just like a, like, it's for people who like want to visit that, like, world again, but not like they're like, no, but now I'm goth and I would rather it be gothic. You know, like I said, people who love this aesthetic. <laughs> and so it, I, yeah. and not, I mean, look, there's people who love this aesthetic who don't necessarily dress like that. They just think it's a cool aesthetic. And I agree. The world is cool. Like I'm here for, you know, a cloak. I'm here for like a heavy, <laughs> a heavy cloak, you know, like I'm interested in characters <laughs> who dress like that. And Today I'm wearing linen, so I definitely don't fit into that goth academia world. Do you think that this is because so many people, especially in the U.S., wanted to go to a boarding school? Like, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, when you're a little kid and you read boarding school books and you're like, oh, if only I could be shipped off to a boarding school and I would have all kinds of adventures instead of going to this crappy public high school that I go to. Did, did you, okay, do you think that's book, that stems from books? Because I didn't have this want, but I didn't read many boarding school books. I I didn't know I could be shipped off. I would have loved to have been shipped. Oh, Ship I, I dream of this. <laughs> but and, when you, were you also, I don't want to say boarding school books. Is that was it from books? I, I mean, at least that was my experience. And I mean, I went to public all elementary, public middle school, public high school. And I don't mean to say that the teachers there are crappy, but like my high school lost its accreditation when I was going there. <laughs> so, you know, compared to uh, an a high, like expensive elite boarding school, that, you know, is covered in crushed velvet. Uh, it's, it's a different thing. And I definitely dreamed, especially I think if you had a rough childhood mm. this, and like read a lot of books like this, I think there's a lot of kids who dream of being shipped off to a boarding school. Yeah, I wouldn't even have known this was an option. Like I, I don't, I, not until I, <laughs> until I moved to Los Angeles, I didn't meet anyone who had ever even been to a boarding school. So like that just felt like a fantasy that like didn't really exist, I guess. I didn't even think about it. But I think you're right that this could stem from that for sure. Like, like, oh, I also know people who studied overseas in high school and I was like, you can study overseas. Like there were things that just yeah. like blew my mind. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think you're right that like, it's a little bit, it's part, it's part of a fantasy of that we sure. we're still like holding on to from our, from, from younger years. But I, I think you're right too. I also think it's aesthetic. Like mm, there's, yeah. it's all plaid and wool, dark wood, gothic structures, old campuses. I think people who really love autumn love mm. dark, dark People who love things that smell like books. I feel like it's, yes. it's very bookish halls. The halls all smell like old books and, and yeah, like polished I, honestly, wood. Of almost any other genre I know besides like the cozy genre, which is also getting really popular. I think this is like the most, one of the most aesthetic forward subgenres. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's a whole way of dressing. There's a whole way of decorating. Like it has its own little world. Yeah. I was going to say, well, most people, you can't look at them and know what kind of books they read. Uh, Cause I think that it's, it's, it's gone into clothing, you know? And, um, but then I just looked at you and I, you're wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. So I do know what kind of books you read. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I fucking get it, okay? My boyfriend looks like a young version of Giles from Buffy. I understand the power of an elbow patch on a sweater. Like, I get all of this. I, too, love velvet and, and old wood. So, But I think that's what makes this such an interesting subgenre is because one of the biggest things is the aesthetic of it. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree. So do you do we like 
are we, are we pro dark academia? Do, do we have any books we recommend? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't explored it as much as a lot of people have. Like, this is some people's thing. And, like, I get it because it is mm-hmm. such a thing. Um, But I feel like Lee Bargadugo's The Ninth House, that's a book we both yeah. loved that's in this genre. Everyone's been reading uh, the next one, Hellbent, right? And I haven't picked it mm-hmm. up yet, but people are loving that. It all takes place at Yale, which is a bit of a vibe already. Because And then it, and it all takes... In, in that world, it takes place in an underground magic society. And I assume they're all wearing crushed velvet, like, all the time. And, <laughs> like, like, you get into Yale and they're like, here's your crushed velvet yeah. cloak. And, like, like, some, and, like, some, go. like, nice, like, uh, like, 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 scarves, but they're silky. You know what I mean? But yes. I don't know if that's a thing. Like, wool sweater vests. Yeah. Corduroy pants. Big one. Um, another one that you and I recommend all the time is Catherine House. And mm-hmm. I just picture the hallways of Catherine House and they're, like, giant and echoey and curtained and that this is a book that is a very elite boarding school that once you leave you can't once you arrive you can't leave um and there's a mystery to this school itself and um i actually read the description and it mentions worn velvet and weathered leather (laughs) so they know they know the audience they're trying to hit with that yeah and it's interesting because catherine house i mean i think we categorize it as horror some and mystery some but I think it's actually literary fiction, like probably advertised yeah. as that. Is I'm not sure what mm-hmm. it's advertised, but it's definitely definitely in this world. Um, so those are two I could def- I could recommend and say that I have read and I really enjoyed. Um, what about you? Have you enjoyed ones from this genre? You know, it's not in my wheelhouse yet, but I wouldn't kick it out of bed. You know what I mean? This like feels I'm, like your wheelhouse, I, Mallory. It feels like yeah, I, you there, you well, like a, a book with an aesthetic. I like it. I like a book with an aesthetic. I also like creepy buildings which I feel like is another big thing in dark academia you know there are it's one of those things where I look back I feel like this is you with historical speculative fiction like I look back and I'm like there's a lot of dark academia books that I love and I'm definitely drawn to a book with like gothic structures and you know old wood I guess (laughs) you know probably because I love horror so much you walk up to the wood you're like has anyone dated this how old is this wood is this only like what this is a bamboo floor that you just cut down 10 years ago wow I am out of here I am looking for <laughs> that some old, old redwood forest wood. <laughs> <laughs> old growth. <laughs> old growth. Is this new growth? Mm-mm. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> smells new. It smells new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, looking back on a lot of the books, down that, must be dead by now. <laughs> uh, yes, that's my that is that's my cutoff. <laughs> Uh, so looking back on a lot of books that I really like over the past like three or four years, there's a lot of books that I picked up and a lot of books I really like that are dark horror thriller and then take place in a, in a boarding school. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'm, maybe I'm creeping up on dark academia. Um, so I'm going to actually recommend a book I read last year that I really liked, uh, The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. I, I think I put this in our newsletter. Uh, it takes place in the Cloisters in New York City, which is a beautiful museum. Um, and it features a group of academics trying to find this particular tarot deck, which is another big buzzy thing in in this kind of uh, bookish community right now. And they're trying to find this particular tarot deck for a museum exhibition. And the politics of their group, this little tiny close-knit group of academics that work at this tiny close-knit little museum are very dark and complicated. And the main character finds out that she is... Uh, you know, eight, she's helping them try to figure out, find find information about this tarot deck. And maybe they want the, the guy who, the scholar who is running this group wants this tarot deck for other reasons besides just exhibiting it in the, in this um, exhibition. So uh, I say it's more thriller than horror, but it's a really good example of the genre that isn't in a school. Um, and it's a very compelling book. I, I, I know some classers really liked it. Um, 
So you can send your thoughts on wood and velvet and dark academia to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we test out some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. A man was walking along a beach which represented his life. At his feet were two sets of footprints, his and God's. But looking back down the beach, the man could see that in the hardest parts of his life, there was only one set of footprints. So the man said to God, Why is there only one set of footprints when times were hard? Where were you? And God replied, My precious child, I was in my car, listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech was sent to us by us. <laughs> we've, been, we've been meaning to test out the BookBow book beans for a long time. We both really like the BookBow book and e-reader sleeves and the same company makes these bean-shaped reading pillows that a lot of glassers love. I, saw, I see people talking about them in the Slack all the time. I see people posting pictures of their pets on them and their books on them. So I ordered one for us to test out. Bria, you want to describe what the book bean is? <laughs> Do I ever? Hold on, let me look it up. It's a it's a little th- it's a little bean that you plant and a book comes out. <laughs> of it. Okay, it's like it's basically a little tiny bean bag, but in the shape of like a tiny bean bag, but in the shape of oh wait, it's a bean bag in the shape of a bean, and it's uh, but not bean bag material. It's like yeah, it is bean bag material, I guess. It's basically like a bean pillow, but full of bean bag, right? Oh, well, I think that there's there's it's it's a mix of like like uh filler and a little bit of beans and a little bit a little bit of beans <laughs> just a little bit of beans <laughs> well it's just funny because it is called book bow book bean that's a really well, funny shape thing like a bean yeah yeah but for two it could be also because it's a little bean baggy but i it is shaped like a bean and you so basically the idea is that the uh okay the part of the bean that would be connected to a to like a, a root you know the middle wow. part. Uh, you would, you know a lot more about beans than I do. Okay, think of a black-eyed pea, the eye part. That would be connected to the root. Okay. Can't picture a black-eyed pea. All right. The, I can't believe you're asking me food questions. Okay, the interior. The interior of it would be the part that faces towards your stomach, and then the exterior kind of, like, goes around you. A little bit like a half. Yes. Half of, like, a swim floaty. Yeah, there, there you go. That's a good uh, way to But put not it. that big. It's just on your lap. And they have all kinds of different ones. I'm looking at them right now. They have one. It's, uh, There's so many zip-on wow. covers for them. Yeah, they, they have one called Magic Snacks, and it's called a flat minky. I think that's a specific kind. They have a neutral falling. I think it's, a, it's the um the minky is the type of it's like a ah. um not it's not super furry, but it's like soft. It's like somewhere between a pillow and a stuffed animal. This one's got rabbits. There's all sorts of cute stuff. This one's got hearts. So they're all really cute. Which one did you get, Mallory? I got the one that looks, it's like black and looks like there's like marbling on it, like gold and bronze marbling. Uh, and depending on which one you get and whether or not it's on sale, they're like around 30 bucks. Okay. And what, so, 
Bri- well, you actually used it. You did show it to me, and I think I sat there. And with you put it your laptop me. on it, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I guess the thing is, I don't really get like ready for this. Like, I often I'm reading in bed, like laying around, and then otherwise, I don't know. I wouldn't carry this on a plane, which is where I do a lot of reading. No. So, so I I don't know if I would get ready and use this, so it doesn't feel as useful to me. But you bought it, and your boyfriend's been using it. Yes. Well, I finally decided to buy this because my boyfriend has this reading quirk. We're about, all about to learn a lot about my boyfriend, Jeremy, where whenever he, he reads, my boyfriend prefers to read uh, in our wingback chair in our living room. And he always puts a pillow down on his lap and puts the book on the pillow oh. until finally I was like, I'm just going to buy you one of these fucking beans because these are literally pillows that are designed for a book to be on them. And like, that's what this book is. That's what this pillow is designed for is like you put it in your lap and you rest the book or your e-reader on top of it. Mm. Um, and honestly, I fucking love this thing. Wow. It is. It's really nice to have something to rest your book on and have to a book, the book a little bit closer to your face. Uh, at some point this year, we're going to be doing uh, an episode on like reading aids for people who might have like physical disabilities or, um, you know, might have injuries or just like, you know, find common ways of reading painful. And this, I would really recommend it, you know, and I love the book pyramid and it, that the book pyramid does a good job of keeping your book open, but the bean is a lot bigger. It really is like lap size and it's more comfortable to have in your lap. And I was initially unsure about paying over $30 for a book pillow, but it's made by a wicked small company, so I'm happy to support that. And honestly, I give this five out of five pages. I love the book wow. bean. I think it makes reading a lot more comfortable. I'll have to bring it back over so you can try it out because I know you read on your stomach in bed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it Although me, But I do read yeah. sitting up sometimes. Like last night, I, I was reading, uh, uh, stayed up late reading, and I, yeah, I, I could have possibly used it. But you're pro bean. I am pro bean. Um, yeah, but I think you're right. Maybe if you're a bed reader who does a lot of reading on your stomach, it probably is not. Yeah, or on my side. The pillow for you. Yeah, this wouldn't be for you. But if you do a lot of reading sitting up on the couch, most of my reading I do on the couch sitting up. And um, I, uh, after watching Jeremy do it so many times, now I'm like, well, look, I want to use the book bean so I can put a book on a pillow. It's just so much nicer to have it like a little bit closer to your face and like have it resting on something. And uh, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and seeing gets harder and harder every year. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. 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 That it, it's nice. But I would give this five out of five pages. I would I would try it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, and you can send your book tech ideas to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com or check out our wish list in the show notes. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Liz writes in, Hello, Brian, Mallory, and all the glassers out there. Had a question about the problem of a, quote, good book. For the last few months, I've run into the problem where I'm about 100 pages into no less than 10 books, and they are objectively good books, but they aren't dragging me into the story and are able to give me the escapism that I crave. If I were to rate these books, they would be a solid four stars, you know, better than average, but not amazing five stars. At the same time, I'm hesitant to DNF since, you know, they are good. I'm not sure if it's my frame of mind or if it's the book, but I don't reach for them. So my question is, do I DNF the just good books and try for the great or maybe wait until I'm in a frame of mind that makes a good book great? I don't know if this is possible since it just feels like a guilt hole. (laughs) Should I DNF the whole 10 books on my shelf and start new? How do you reduce the guilt and disappointment of a book being just good? I know this is weird, but was hoping the community could help with some perspective. Thank you for all you do and taking the time to foster a reading community where there is no judgment. Bria, what do you think Liz should do? Do you want to say it at the same time? Yes. Yeah. One, two, three. Dump, dump those, those books. books. Um, dump them. Dump them. 
you're having, uh, I think you're having some book FOMO. Dump all 10. Seriously, dump all mm-hmm. 10. We're giving you permission. Dump them all 10. Because I think what happens sometimes, this happens to me, there's so many great books out there and you want to try them all. But you, because of that, you don't want to commit to any because you're like, but then there's also this good one and there's also this good one. And should mm-hmm. I try this one? And trying to read them at the same time is not working for you because you're writing into a podcast. So I know it's not working <laughs> for you. I, you. There's plenty of people who that is how they behave and that's what they want to do. And it does work for them, but that is not you. So I say dump them all. We're both saying dump them all, start a new book, pick a new genre or something, something, something exciting, something short that you can finish so you can remind yourself that you can finish a book, like a novella, yep. a book of short story, something that you can do so you can finish them. And if one of those 10 are still calling to you in a few months, you have that book. You already have it. Go back to the library and get it. Mm-hmm. You've already bought it, whatever. But at the moment, none of these 10 are really working for you because that is why you are cheating on each one with the other one, which, look, <laughs> a lot of people can do poly. You got a little book harem going yeah, on poly, right now. A lot of people can do a poly book relationship. They can jump from book to book. It doesn't bother them. It seems like it's bothering <laughs> you. And I think 10 is feeling a little overwhelming. I, I could never yes. do 10, Mallory. I, I You know, I'll have like um. Uh, maybe a nonfiction and a fiction going, maybe even an audiobook, maybe even two audiobooks. But that's, I really max out at that. And then I start being like, yeah. I'm never going to finish anything ever again. And I start to panic just like our pal uh, Liz is panicking a little bit. What are you, what is your advice for Liz besides dumping the books? I mean, it just sounds like Liz has gotten in the slump yes. and none of these books are working. It. And you know what? First thing is, that's fine. Liz, you, you were saying that you think that maybe this is weird you know, maybe, you know, this is, this is something that other readers are not, uh, are not experiencing. No, this is, everybody deals with this. I deal with this. Bria deals with this. Tons and tons of glassers deal with this. It's a very common problem. Happened to me very recently. And you, you got to dump them all and start with a book that you're excited about. Like Bria said, find something short, compelling, but you need to find a book that makes you want to reach for it. You know, I, I can tell if I am reading a book and it's been like, like a whole day will go by without me thinking about it or reaching for it you got to find something else. And like mm-hmm. Bree said, you can just, it's not like you're throwing it in the garbage disposal. You're just putting it back on a shelf or back to the library. You know, it, it's it's not going away. You have to find something real. Pick something that's like really in your wheelhouse. Uh, maybe you're one of those people and so I can do this. I catch myself doing it. It's like you get a book that you're really excited about and you say that you're going to save it for something. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like a book that, you know, maybe it's an author that you love that came out with a new book or like just a book that sounds like exactly what you want. You're like you saving it for a vacation or a rainy day or whatever it is. Like, no, break the glass, get out that emergency book, find something that you are really, really excited about and will make you think about it and want to pick it up. And I would also say if you're 100 pages into a book and you still aren't grabbed by it, I think you need to roll back the amount of pages you're giving it. Do what mm. Bree and I do. Give it give it a chapter. If that's not exciting to you, find another one. Sometimes it'll be, I'll pick up five books and read the first chapter and be like, nah, I'm not into this. And then it, as it often happens, I will pick up that same book, you know, a few months later, I'll be like, oh, this is great. You yeah. Know, it, you're, yeah not, but, you're not weird. Yeah, and for sure, clean house. Like, I think the cleaning house is going to make you feel so much better. Like, just starting oh, over. Yeah. And then, no, you can go back to those later, but right now you're pressuring yourself to read 10 books, which, like, even with as fast as, you know, Mallory and I read, that's going to take a really long time to finish all those books. So that's so much pressure yep. you're putting on yourself. Just do one book. Just try one book and get through it. And hopefully one, you like Mallory said, something you're really looking forward to. And then you can always come back to uh-huh. these later, but don't come back to them right now. Also, our last episode, we did a whole episode on slump busters. 
So if you need a recommendation, maybe you're not sure what your wheelhouse is yet, listen to that episode. Take one of our hot, hot, slump-busting wrecks. Was this commercial, a commercial where you lived, uh, I'm a wheel watcher, I'm a wheel watcher. It's for uh, Wheel of Fortune? No. I just imagine a bunch of books dancing around going, I'm a slump buster, I'm a slump buster. <laughs> you didn't, that wasn't Wait. A- so the premise of the commercial is people singing that they watch the Wheel of Fortune? Yeah. That is so weird. Wheel of Fortune was like big, like the most, such a popular show when I was younger. Oh my God. It was my, I mean, I know it was my possible, dream but I- to be on Wheel of Fortune. And then I went and watched really? it, got to see it in person one time. And honestly, was it exciting? I was like, this is gonna be so dumb. I was like jaded and it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. By the end, I'm well, like screaming. I'm like standing up screaming. I'm like, it's two, it's two. And like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just was like caught. I was like, oh, this is how you end up like, like handling a snake at a church. Cause it's like, just I can feel oh, the, <laughs> the excitement. Got, I got caught oh. up in the crowd. It is really exciting. Oh my God. You're like this close to joining a cult, Bria. <laughs> I, if look, if, out of anyone you know, I'm the first one who would join an accident. <laughs> so maybe we should start a game show called Books of Fortune. Mm-hmm. Books. Where we find uh, slump-busting books for people. Yeah. Or people have to guess the book. Oh, my God. What if people had to guess the book? Instead of the phrase, it's guess the book title. Oh, yeah. Uh, the phrase. What's the phrase? Because isn't that what Wheel of Fortune is? It's no, like it's they the have like a little. It's how much things cost. What's the one where they have to pick the letters? Oh, that's Wheel of Fortune. Oh, that is Wheel of Fortune. Oh my God, I'm saying Wheel of Fortune. You're thinking of The Price is I'm Right. I'm thinking of Price is Right. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what Wow, maybe you should cut this whole thing out, Sean, because now it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I totally, you're right. Wheel of Fortune is really boring. Price is, price is <laughs> Right is really like, fun. Wow, Bria, I mean, I'm not going to judge you for the things. All right, that cut, all that out, cut it out. Cut it out. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, check out, check out our last episode. And if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always want to thank the wonderful mods, Danielle included, who run our Facebook group. And if you want to buy cool reading stuff, whether it's tote bags to put books in reading shirts or stickers, you can go to our void merch store. We got all kinds of awesome reading glasses merch that, uh, actually goes to support us. So everything you buy there helps us feed our hungry little animals. There's a link in the show notes for that. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It is great for us and really helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. For reading.